operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back and better than ever. Comic Revolution Podcast. As always, by my side, the Jimmy Durant to my Ethel Merman, <laughs> Steven. Like, you proved my interest, even. <laughs> he, he's dumbfounded. Uh, <laughs> as always, Stephen, you can check us out on our website, comicbookrevolution.com, mm-hmm. for all the latest in reviews, news, and uh, Kevin musing about upcoming solicitations from DC and Marvel. Those That's are right. always highly popular articles, Stephen. I always check out the analytics to see what's trending, mm-hmm. what's popular. That's what uh, dictates what you know we're going to throw on the on the website, of course. And man, people love to read about Kevin's takes on DC's and Marvel <laughs> solicitations. They always do really, really well. Yeah, people just want to know what the hell Kevin thinks about what's coming up for Marvel and DC. Wow. Well, ah, there you go. Very popular. Very always, probably always uh, the most popular articles we post. Really? That and any review for a big event, of course, is going to garner lots of traffic, too. Fair. Fair. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, indeed. And in your Captain, I believe you did an article on Captain Marvel, Stephen. Got mm-hmm. great, great response, too. So there you go. Wow. Indeed. I did not Mo- know that. Anything deal with movies tends to generate a lot of traffic mm-hmm. as well, because then you're pulling in from a much wider audience than just comic book fans. Oh. Yeah, so I've noticed that as well. Whenever we write reviews for movies, it's a it's a large influx of traffic as mm-hmm. compared to just a review for a comic. Yeah, okay. you really pull from a lot more traffic. And you get linked from a lot uh, you know larger mm-hmm. overall websites like IMDb. You were linked to that and you know things like that. So you get, you get mm. pulled in from a, a much wider audience cross-section okay indeed wow. fun with analytics yeah yeah you can also so, you're, so what you're saying is i should have suffered through hellboy and done a review for yes it. you oh. should have steven you should have i am disappointed in you well, darn. <laughs> <laughs> you can also check us out at instagram the comic book revolution kevin's Got the Instagram page cranking. Mm-hmm. You can check us out on Twitter at CB Revolution. You can check me out on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution. Steven, you. And you can find me at President Glover on the Twitters. There you go. All right, Steven. I'm in a good mood. And the reason why I'm in a good mood is because Chris Davis, that bum for the Orioles, finally broke his 0 for 67 <laughs> streak, Steven. Yesterday, I was sitting there with my son. Who's insane? He, he's he's like your stereotypical Dominican kid. He just lives to play baseball. And we're watching the Orioles game, and it's two outs, bases loaded, and here comes Davis. And I'm like, oh God, again? You're killing me. Why is he even playing? He hasn't hit since September of last year. And the guy jacks a two RBI single, and then at his next at bat, he gets a double and an RBI, and then he gets another RBI and a double later, and I'm like, oh my god, he's on fire. The best <laughs> thing is, when I'm, I'm like complaining why he's in the game in that situation, because he's gone over for forever, and my son goes, dad, he could turn it around though. And sure enough, he gets the hit, and then my son looks at me and goes, dad, we just witnessed history. I'm like, wow. what? We just witnessed the guy snap his own Horrible, because he set the Major League Baseball record for 
for Hitler's streak. That's not a record anybody wants. Huh. That's terrible. Terrible. But it put us in a good mood yesterday, Stephen. Yeah. So it's been a good weekend. Very good weekend. I can't complain. Past All that. Right. Well, there you go. Indeed. And today, <laughs> Stephen, yes. we have a wonderful selection of comics to look at. We have carefully picked fine comics to review. From Debated. DC. <laughs> from, Just dissected. From DC, the Batman Who Laughs number four. Mm-hmm. Red Hood Outlaw number 33, Superman number 10, and from the House of the Mouse, mm-hmm. amazing Spider-Man number 19. <laughs> the Get rid of that G, amazing. Amazing, that's right. <laughs> and the War of Realms tie-in issue, Journey into Mystery number one. Mm. I regret choosing that <laughs> issue. <laughs> I was excited, and then I was not excited. <laughs> Because I liked, I liked the War of Realms. I thought it was a yeah. fun issue. And then I read this, and I was like, oh, oh. that's not Jason Aaron. <laughs> and then uh, we're going to wrap it up with Kevin's favorite title. That's <laughs> <laughs> not his favorite title. <laughs> but he does read it. Captain Marvel number four. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's start with DC, shall we? Sure. And let's start with our favorite DC writer. Not named Jeff Johns or Grant Morrison. Scott Snyder. <laughs> our third favorite. There yes, our third favorite. <laughs> can't, we can't lead with that. So. <laughs> uh, the Batman Who Laughs number four. This issue, Stephen, brought to us by Scott Snyder doing the words. Jock doing the art. And it begins, I like this because basically it begins, you know, Batman, he's, he's under the influence of the Joker toxin. Mm-hmm. And he's created his own uh, Batman Who Laughs visor. From uh, dark metal, so he can see the world like the Batman who laughs sees the world, because he's mm-hmm. convinced that the only way he can stop the Batman who laughs is by seeing the world through his eyes, mm-hmm. right? And Batman talks about how he's always tried to see the world through the eyes of children. That's like the motto of Gotham. You know, that's like looking at the world with fresh, innocent eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, his children are the, his Robins, and the Robin that had the most positive eyes was Dick Grayson, and so he tries to look at the world through his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, we have Alfred doesn't want uh, Batman to go down the road of being uh, the Batman who laughs. He doesn't want him to wear the visor. He goes, no, you can defeat him by staying true to who you are and your own vision. So they have a, they get in a scuffle, and they get in a big old fight. Remember, he's, Batman's under the influence of the Joker toxin. Mm-hmm. And he finally gets control of himself and realizes, what am I doing? You know, and they stop fighting. They hug. They embrace. And Alfred's basically like, look, if you really think this is the only way you can stop him, I, I, will, I will let you do it. Right? Mm-hmm. So we then cut to the Batman Who Laughs. He's got, uh, in the Grim Knight, they have our Commissioner Gordon Mm -hmm. captured. And we then see Batman zipping around the Batmobile, and it's camouflaged as a taxi cab, which is cool. And Batman comments how he always likes to be on street level in the Batmobile, camouflaged as a taxi cab, so he can really get a feel for the pulse of Gotham and the people of Gotham, whereas the Robins always like to swing high above Mm -hmm. head, which shows the contrasting personalities and visions of Batman versus his Robins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally Batman sees the people of Gotham as good, but with this visor, a dark metal visor, he sees everyone as evil mm-hmm. and violent. And then James Gordon, Commissioner Gordon's son, contacts Batman. He's narrowed down uh, where the Batman who laughs is going to poison the waterway to three locations. And then James is like, you know, Batman, how are you doing, by the way? Uh, and Batman's like, I'm fine. And James then lays down a little lays down a little knowledge on him because James views the world like the Batman who laughs. Used to view the world before his therapy the same way the Batman who laughs currently views the world. Mm-hmm. Everyone's evil. 
everyone's bad, and it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it, that way, if you kill someone, it's it's you're not doing anything bad because everyone deserves it. Everyone's evil, right? Mm-hmm. And James is like, it's basically like a perfect. It makes perfect sense. It's like, it's one flat voice. He goes, but what I found out is that you know, it's it's what takes you down the slippery slope is not the action, it's your belief, right? And that, you know, bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And that creates a disconnect. And that makes life more complicated. And James is like, look, I know how seductive it can be to look at something through such simple, simple vision of everything's bad. Mm-hmm. Everyone's bad. And Batman's like, I gotta go. And James is like, well, before you go, do you have a fail-safe in case you totally flip over to the Joker toxin and become the new Batman who laughs of our world? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Batman's like, uh, got the fail-safe. And we know that because we flash back to three hours earlier, and he is uh, at a, one of the water reservoirs, and he's, you know, Batman's checking the water, making sure it's clean. Mm-hmm. And the Joker appears, Batman smacks him around a little bit, and then we come to find out that the Joker's like, look, I, you know... What I want is, you know, what I want is, I don't want you to lose. Batman's like, you know, what, you know, what is your goal? What are you trying to do here? And Joker's like, you know, I think one day I will beat you and you'll be dead, but then it'll be over and it'll never happen again. And I don't want that. <laughs> I, I want what we're doing now to go on forever, forever. So he actually wants the Batman to win because he wants them to go on forever. And I thought that was like a really great way to handle the relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. Really cool way. And so basically Batman's like, look, I can't handle, I can't trust anyone else to take me out if I become the, my world's, the Batman who laughs if I succumb mm-hmm. to the to- Joker toxin. So you have to be my failsafe. And Joker's like, I'll blow your head off, not a problem. Batman's like, cross your heart. And Joker's like, hope, and hope you die. And they all both start laughing because they, you know, the Joker toxin. Yeah. It's a good scene though. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. And then we cut to present day, uh, present time. In the Blackgate prison, Batman's there, got the visor on, he's searching around for the little portal mm-hmm. where they're bringing in the various ba- other Bruce Waynes from other realities. And the head of the police, or the head of the prison guards there, pulls his gun out on Batman, thinks he's the Batman who laughs, and Batman's like, oh, that's not me. And he uses, he says all this personal information, like the name of the wife and kids of the guards, so he knows, oh, it's really Batman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then suddenly, Batman goes, whoop, slips through the portal, that's located in Blackgate, and he's in an alternate reality where Blackgate's a lot bigger, and Bruce Wayne is uh, runs Blackgate, right? Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Wayne, that Bruce Wayne, and our Batman whoop, slip back through the portal again, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're back in our Blackgate again. Mm-hmm. When we cut to the Batman who laughs in the Grim Knight, they release Jim Gordon, and Grim Knight says, "You better start running because I'm gonna hunt you." Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What is he gonna hunt him with? We're gonna find out. Mm-hmm. We go back to Blackgate. Some more prison guards show up, and the head of the prison guards activates a like a glass barrier between him and Batman. And the Bruce Wayne from the alternate reality is with the prison guard, and we find out that prison guard is really wearing a digital mask, and it's the Batman who laughs, mm-hmm. and he kills the Bruce Wayne from the alternate dimension. And then we come back to James Gordon, James Gordon, and he's run through the sewer, run through the sewer, and we see, oh crap. The Grim Knight has brought with him uh, three evil, ghoulish Robins mm-hmm. from a different reality. Not good. No. Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. And so, and then we come back to the Batman who laughs, talking to Bruce Wayne, like, you're trying to see the world through my eyes. You're trying to see the world through your Robins. That's what you always do. 
And let me tell you what. Here's the deal with your kids. They knew that people were a lie. That's why they all stayed high above while you were on the ground. So it's all a lie. And uh, now you're actually seeing the world through real eyes, the real eyes of your real child, and that's me. <laughs> but I liked it. It was really good. Yeah. It's a good moment. Mm-hmm. Really good moment. And the Batman Who Laughs activates his little digital mask, so they th- you know, the other prison guards think it's still their commander. Mm-hmm. And he orders them, take down the <laughs> Batman Who Laughs. Remember, our Batman's still wearing the, the visor from mm-hmm. the Batman Who Laughs. So they're very confused. And all the guards open fire, point blank range. It's like five guards. They open fire, point blank range on Batman. Steven, there's no way he can survive that. That's impossible. It's point blank range, Stephen. That's a good hook ending. Yes, Stephen, what'd you think? Um, I I thought it was pretty fantastic. I um I really enjoyed um I'm Scott Snyder's writing on this. I mean, I love his writing on Justice League, of course, but oh, this yeah. one just seems a little more. Literary, I guess. Dude, I see you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. This reminds me more of prose, mm-hmm. really good prose. This is, <laughs> to me, this is literature. Yes, it is. It is way more literary than than his Justice League. It mm-hmm. is. It's very, in, it's very intelligent. It 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 has wonderful imagery mm-hmm. and themes, which is why it reminds me of prose because good prose has. You have you have imagery and you have themes running through prose mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily get in com- comic books like Justice League, for example, can just straight up be action adventure with uh, mysteries. Yeah. Right. Whereas this is more like prose in that you have themes, you have themes that run through the story, and imagery that is used to to uh, add another layer to the story. And in this case, it would be eyes of the children. Eyes are a theme. Mm-hmm. Eyes are a theme that he uses in this issue. The eyes of Batman, the eyes of Robin, the eyes of the Batman who laughs, the eyes of James Gordon. Mm-hmm. Eyes, that is a heavy theme. And that that is what it serves as the connective tissue for this story. Mm-hmm. And the way that, the, that you have different points of views depending on which set of eyes we're, we're looking through. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, that's... It's it's a uh, more artful form of writing. Yes, that you do not get in superhero comics that often. Mm-hmm. And um, I also thought it was a little a little clever going back to the to that theme of the eyes, where when the Batman who laughs is talking to Commissioner Gordon, he picks up his glasses and puts them back on. Yes. Like, oh, now you can see more clearly. It's yes. Like, oh, there you go. It's brilliant writing. Yes. It really is. <laughs> But um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've really been enjoying this story. I know you are not hot on the the Batman who laughs as a character. Yeah, but still, great story though. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, I like I like the character more because I think it's the fusion of Batman and like more like Morrison's Joker, the smart Joker who's not yeah, a I can see lunatic. that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, well, Snyder and Tom King write it like Morrison, just kind of in different yeah. variations, but it's. You know, it's kind of in that vein. It so is. It is. I've always found that very they interesting. They take their cues from Morrison. Yes. Um, well, they're smart. Of course, <laughs> of course they do. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's, it's... Reading this, and especially with Batman, this feels like one of the... I don't want to say one of the few times over his 80 years, but, or, <laughs> but you know, it feels like one of those times where you really look at him. He f- finally has... An opponent that he has to consider going, you know, past the line right. to defeat. Right. 
And that's why with a character like this, even though maybe a little generic, I like them because of what it brings out of the of the hero. Yes. And I think just seeing, just like even seeing those text boxes of mm-hmm. his of his thoughts mm-hmm. and how they change from regular then to red and yes. go back and forth. Yes, um, it's a little creepy. It is. It is. And especially is. given how unstable Batman already is. Agreed. And, I, and, and that is very. And again, <laughs> it's also very artful writing by Snyder to know when because Batman's dialogue. You're correct. Batman's dialogue is in black when he's sane. It's in red when the Joker toxin is taking control of him. Mm-hmm. And the word can be in. I mean, you may get like three dialogue, three boxes of dialogue with only two words that are red. Mm-hmm. So he meticulously chooses which word to place into red. It's not like he does like a line of red, a line of dialogue in red, and a line of dialogue in black, and then back. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. He, I mean, you may get, you know, on an entire page of dialogue, you may only get four words that are red, but he meticulously chooses which word is going to be in red, and it really puts a different emphasis mm-hmm. on the individual words and the dialogue as a whole. Again, that is next level writing. Yes. It reminds me of how, like, <laughs> William Faulkner. Would would engage in this type of writing? You know, he wanted to do Sound the Fury, color coded. That's right. Yeah, he did. He wanted to do color coded dialogue, so you knew <laughs> what character and what time period we were on the timeline you were yeah. in. So instead, he used italics and non-italics. But this is next level writing. This is high quality, detail oriented writing. You you just, Steve, you just don't see it mm-hmm. in mainstream superhero comics that often. This is Snyder showing off his skills as a true wordsmith. Mm-hmm. This man is a true writer, a legit writer, like full stop. Yeah. Writer. Not a comic book writer. He is a writer. Mm-hmm. The quality of the writing on this title is so far and above a lot of what you get from Marvel and DC. Yeah. And, and I don't even think that is I, – I am, I am overstating that fact. I mean I think it is evident on its face. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I, and even just as a comic book, it's clear that he really understands all of these characters, like the way, yes. like even just the way with Batman, how he tries to look at it through, like the world through Robin's eyes, mm-hmm. especially Dick Grayson's eyes, yes. because he knows that he's not capable of seeing right of being that way, but, right, and then um, just even these other alternate Batman, you get such a sense for who they are without having to go through a whole big giant exposition bubble. Right. You know, just in the, the few things that they say, well, I mean, the Batman who last talks a lot, but the Grim Knight does not. No. But what he says, you're like, oh, that's... Very impactful. Yes. Agreed. And, um, like, with James Gordon uh, Jr. Great scene. Yes. Great scene that tips the reader off on the conflict... Uh, the the temptation that Batman is going to face later in the story. Mm-hmm. Good foreshadowing. Yes, I like that. And and I mean, having having seen him when he first showed up, I still kind of don't trust him. Sure. But he's still right. You yes. Know? And um, and the scene with the Joker, I thought was was great. Excellent scene. Um, great chemistry between the two characters. Yes, and, and it. It's, I, I like them being like <laughs> locked in, in in an infinity loop together. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because I mean people have written about it and talked about it forever that it goes you know Joker does something crazy, Batman fights him, Batman wins, Batman locks him away, Joker escapes, Wasp 
rinse, repeat. repeat. Yeah. And people are, well, this is dumb. Why didn't Batman just kill the guy at some point? You know, well, it's it's they're more like forces of nature that are forever doomed to be locked in conflict for eternity. Yeah. They're not just people. They become something more supernatural. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are literally the yin and the yang. <laughs> You know, of the superhero world. They mm-hmm. take, they're more than just humans. They represent the forces of order and chaos mm-hmm. that will forever be fighting each other, period, end of story, no matter what. Neither one gaining the upper hand on the other. And it, le- and it also leads into the mental sickness of both characters mm-hmm. that deep down inside, neither of them really wants to win. And even though Batman says he wants to beat all of crime and win, it leaves that little feeling inside the reader that maybe Batman is so mentally messed up mm-hmm. that really deep down inside, he'll never admit it, but he doesn't want to win because then his life would have no meaning. That he needs this. Yes. He needs this to feel the pain, to feel the sorrow and the mm-hmm. sadness of his childhood trauma. He needs this. That's how he feels alive. Yes. Which, I mean... It plays perfectly off of what he and Tom King have done with Batman. Yep. So it feels very consistent. Yes. But um, I also like the... Because like going back through the issues, I remembered, well, the Joker's the one who turned Batman into this. So mm-hmm. what? You know, what's, what's the deal? He's talking about all this, you know, we want to do this forever, but you poisoned Batman. And it just kind of realized that it got... It's another attempt to get over the Batman who laughs, where the yes. Joker, as we've seen in Justice League, is afraid of the Batman who laughs. Right. And he belie- apparently believes that Batman on his own is not enough. Right. So he's helping Batman. That's right. Yep. Which, you know, if there's any character who knows that Batman will get out of a situation, it's the Joker. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I thought that was very fascinating. My favorite scene, I thought, was... Um, the first one with Alfred because it was just such oh, a such a heartbreaking scene. Wasn't yeah, it? It, God, that was so good. Yeah, the and, emotion. Oh, that scene was just hard. It, it's oh, Snyder does such a good job in the relationship between these between Alfred and Batman, father mm-hmm. and son. Yeah. Oh, is just oh, and when they're <laughs> hugging and Alfred's crying and oh my God, you're just like oh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it, it's a. It's quite a note to start the issue on, for sure. Oh, it's a gut punch. It's like, ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I need to stop cutting onions while I'm reading comics. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I like, I just, I just, you're right. Snyder has a wonderful sense of all the characters. He has mm-hmm. an excellent feeling for the personalities of all the characters and how they interact with each other and how they relate to each other. And that's why the character work is phenomenal and the, and the chemistry between the characters is phenomenal and the dialogue is phenomenal and everyone has a well-defined External voice, it's all phenomenal. So well done. Really, really well done. And I like how, I like that he picked Dick Grayson as the most positive Robin because I always view, oh. view the scale of positivity <laughs> for Robins. Dick Grayson is on one end. He is the most, he is, he is the purest. Yes. He is the most positive. And then you slide down the scale and you get to Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he, he's still positive, but, yeah. but, but not as, as much as, as Dick Grayson. He still struggles a bit. Yeah. And then you slide further down the scale to Damian Wayne. Mm-hmm. And then at the very bottom of the scale is Jason Todd. <laughs> yeah. That's about right, huh? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. 
Uh, so how do you grade out this issue, uh, Batman Who Last Number Four? Um, I would give I would actually give the writing a nine. I think it's uh, fantastic other on a completely other level than like you said, almost anything that we're reading right now. I yes. think I think Invaders is quite good. It is. On I, that I, level. I agree. But um and the art, I mean, the, you know, Jock's art is a is for is an acquired taste. It is. Um, it's, it's just not my style. I hate grading his art because I totally sure. understand why he's popular. Mm-hmm. I understand his talents. I yes, I I, I concede all these points. Yes, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like him. I know he's talented. <laughs> I get that. It just, it just, I just, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it fits the story. Sure, it fits and, the yeah. mood of the story. No doubt. Yeah, um, and I mean it. Really, it really does sell the mood. I think. I agree. Sure. I agree. So, um, I'll actually give it a seven because I think it works really well. Okay. Um, yeah. Good. Good. I'm with you. I'm gonna go the writing. I'm gonna say nine Night Girls out of ten for the writing, with the caveat that if you are a reader who really likes action heavy stories uh, at a fast pace. You probably will not enjoy this issue as much as mm-hmm. either Stephen or I enjoyed this issue. Sure. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it is a slower paced issue. Yeah. There's not a lot of plot progression, Stephen. Let's be honest. We end this. We end issue number four roughly at the same spot where we end issue number three. He doesn't really move the story forward that much. He yeah. does phenomenal character work. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Phenomenal character work is done. But as far as moving plots along. Not so much, and it's slow, and there's not much action. So that's a caveat. If if, sure. if, if you prefer lots of plot progression, lots of fighting, lots mm-hmm. of action, quickly paced stories, you might not be as thrilled as we were. Mm-hmm. Okay, but still, yeah. nine night goes out of ten. That's fair. from my standpoint because yeah. it's amazing writing. Mm-hmm. The art, I'm going to go shade bit less than you. I'll go six Night Girls out of ten, fully acknowledging that it is me. It yeah. is me. I, I understand it is me. Mm-hmm. His art does match the story. Yes. Okay. All right, Stephen. Red Hood Outlaw number three. Keep it in the Batman family, shall we? Mm-hmm. This issue brought to us the words by Scott Lobdell, risen like Lazarus from the dead <laughs> with this title, Stephen. <laughs> making me making me enjoy a Lobdell title. I just don't know what to say. Yeah. Pete Woods doing the art, mm. and Rex Locust doing the colors. Mm-hmm. And in this issue, Stephen, we have Jason Todd has taken over the Penguins iceberg lounge casino in gotham city Mm -hmm. he now runs it he's the boss and he has the penguin trapped in the penguin's own panic room (laughs) i like that that's pretty cool and you know todd's basically like penguin you can sit here and suffer because if i wanted you dead you'd be dead right now Mm. i like yep i believe that (laughs) so he's just going to keep the penguin captured yes and we find uh, and of course uh the hierarchy Jason Todd's organization at the Iceberg Lounge. His right-hand man is none other than Miguel. You might know him as Bunker from Scott Lobdell's absolutely horrid. Please, do not mistake the fact that I'm enjoying Red Hood as some type of of forgiveness for all the terrible things Scott Lobdell has given us over the years. Because Scott Lobdell's Teen Titans, New 52 Teen Titans, was trash. Absolute trash. And Bunker was a crap character. <laughs> Just a crap character. Total crap character. But Bunker in this role, yeah. much, whoa, he has an actual personality. Mm-hmm. He's actually cool. He's suave. 
You know what I mean? No, but he's like that. He's, he gives off a really cool, suave vibe. You know, he's, yeah. he's like that right-hand man. Who, I, I make things happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't worry, boss. I got it. Mm-hmm. I like him in this role. I was like, <laughs> wow, he's in a suit. He looks good. He's not this dorky, dumbass <laughs> little kid. I mean, he. It's. I like this this much better. Yeah, he's pretty much he's, better. He's he's pretty cool. He <laughs> is really, really, really much better. And he's wearing shades indoors. <laughs> yeah, he got suit on shades. He's and he's making things happen. I just I liked it. Very good. And we also learn that the that Jason Todd has the uh, the uh, oh come on the sisters the Stephen Sue sisters the, I think the name is the Sue sisters right yeah and there are how many of them there are five of them you've got mm-hmm. Susie. She's the giant, looks like the female version of Blob. Yeah. Right? From Marvel. Mm-hmm. You got Blanc, who is like a blue haired uh, ninja type. Well, she wears a white suit. She looks like something from, you know, Street Fighter. Yeah. They all kind of look like something from Street Fighter, to be honest with you. True. Uh, you've got <laughs> Knight, who has uh, kind of like cybernetic arms. You've got Candy, who's got little bombs, and she's, you know, the adorable, cute one. Mm hmm. And you've got Anastasia, who's like the mysterious, sexy one, mm-hmm. wearing like the nightgown with two guns. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's my kind of character, Stephen. You want to know what a strong female looks like? Anastasia, because <laughs> she's all woman and she's a badass. Mm-hmm. I like the Sioux Sisters. They're very cool characters, and they're his muscle. And Stephen, this works for Jason Todd's character. I could not think of better characters. To serve as Jason Todd's muscles. Jason Todd, to me, is the kind of character, Stephen, who would only have femme fatales working for him. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? Am I wrong? Doesn't Jason Todd remind you of... Just doesn't, he, he, doesn't he make you think of the kind of character that would just only... I would only have femme fatales be my heavies. <laughs> it works with his character, doesn't it? It does, because the way Liddell writes Jason Todd, just as Jason Todd, he totally plays... The douchebag son of the rich guy. Yes! Really well. Yes! It is so perfect. It is, I mean, I was like, yep, that, 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 that's the only kind of the only kind of uh, muscle he could have mm-hmm. would be Femme Fatale. It, it just works perfectly. And what does the rich douchebag son want? He wants lots of ladies. Yes! <laughs> lots of badass ladies. It's perfect, isn't it? And so... The issue, basically, we have Jason meets up with an ex-flame uh, of his, and a uh, blonde lady, what's her name? Oh, uh, come Isabel. On. Isabel. Yeah. And, you know, they make times together, right? Mm-hmm. They're like little smoochy-smoochy. And then we find <laughs> out that the penguin, you know, if the penguin goes missing, he had set up a contingency that if he went missing, that the five aces, okay, <laughs> would kick into gear. Yes. And come rescue him. Mm-hmm. Right? And the five aces, yeah, he, look, he runs a casino, Penguin runs a casino, five aces. It works. I like it thematically. It's totally comic booky and yeah. it's the kind of comic booky that you love. Yeah. This is like silver agey zaniness in a modern package. It's I love it. This is it, perfect. It did make me guess for, wait for a minute. It's like, wait, is the Royal Flesh Gang DC or Marvel? I had the same thought too, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I had the same thought too. And so we see the five aces on the scene, and they're gonna they're there to find the penguin. But unfortunately for the five aces, they got to go up against the sister Sue. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the sister Sue have we get a kick ass brawl between the five aces and the sister Sue Stephen, <laughs> and the sister Sue. I love it how this one of the, the candy 
you know, one of the five aces like hitting on her, like, hey, you know, we could really think about expanding our membership. We could really mm. use you, whatever. Because he's got her like all, <laughs> she's she's all like, he like sh- shoots air. He's an archer. And he shoots arrows at her. She's, she's all like kind of pinned to a wall. Yeah. Right? So she can't move. And he's like making his, he's like, ah, oh, we could really use you. You've got talent, blah, 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 blah. You know, and she's like, Totally playing into him, like, yeah, I'm your girl, absolutely, woo woo. And then, <laughs> meanwhile, she's using it, you know, using stalling and distracting him because uh, she manages to get loose and drop an explosive down his pants. <laughs> and she's like, see ya. <laughs> see ya. This is look. We're gonna compare and contrast this fight scene and these characters with uh, Captain Marvel later okay. in the podcast. You're sure, sure. This is fun. Yeah. This is great, and if you don't think the sisters Sue are awesome, then you're crazy. Yeah. They're great. Mm-hmm. And there's a right way to do things, Stephen, yeah. and a wrong way to do things. Well, right now, we're seeing the right thing. This is just, it was just a great scene with Candy, and it was playful. Yes. It wasn't ugly. It wasn't like, you know, there was no agenda. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It was funny. It was cute, and it played in with her kind of, oh, gosh, cute little perky blonde. <laughs> you know, you're not taking her seriously, and then she blows your pants up. Yeah. It's great. It's really good. So anyhow, the sisters Sue end up taking down the uh, five aces, mm-hmm. and then oh, four of the five five aces because oh, one of them slips off to get the penguin. He runs across Jason Todd, who's making time with Isabel, and that guy starts shooting at him. The what well, that one five ace is shooting at Jason Todd. Jason Todd's like, I got to get Isabel to safety, and then of course. Johnny on the spot, right-hand man. Miguel mm-hmm. is there like, boss, <laughs> not a problem. Ma'am, you come with me. We couldn't have insurance premiums go up if anything happened to you. <laughs> he's like so he's so calm, cool, and collected. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like Mr. Business. It's awesome. I yeah. really like how LaBelle writes his character. It's so much better. And so he's like, you know, got it. Initiate security protocols. Sir, here's your briefcase. Ma'am, come with me. I mean, he is just like, he's like Mr. Wolf. He's cleaning the situation. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so cool. <laughs> and so... So he, Miguel takes Isabel, and he's like, come on, man. Senior Todd will be along shortly. <laughs> and so, and then Jason Todd opens up the briefcase that Miguel gives him, and it's all of his weapons and his red hood outfit and everything. He's like, boom. So he suits up, fights the one remaining five ace, and basically whoops his butt. Mm-hmm. But what we find out is he kills the guy, and when he kills him, the guy turns into, like, ash. Mm-hmm. So they're not real people no okay that's 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 the big mystery that has been revealed right mm-hmm. and then you see you cut to a few minutes later and um uh from the sister sue uh Susie comes busting the door and she's like boss i love how they call him boss yeah it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's like that's so it's that's it's just perfect for jason todd yeah it's just this role is so good for him <laughs> and she's like oh thank god you're okay boss you know and uh, he's like He's like, you know, look. And she's looking at the ashes where the one five ace was. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really tell her anything. You okay? He's like, absolutely. And she's like, you know, you know, where, where'd the last one go? Mm-hmm. The, the final five ace go. And he goes, not a clue. So he's not tipping. He doesn't want anyone to know yeah. what he's discovered, mm-hmm. which is so freaking Jason Todd. Yeah. The guy just doesn't trust anybody. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. he, at the end of the day, Jason Todd doesn't trust anybody, <laughs> even people loyal to him. Yeah. He just—it's just so perfect. Then he tells—he tells Susie, "Not a clue. Let's just be glad all our people came out okay." And she's like, Shh. "And he's like, uh, she's like, sure, boss." And then he's like, "I'll get maintenance on this right away." <laughs> and he's drinking like a bourbon. He downs a glass of bourbon and walks off. And that's the end of the issue. I mean, Steven, it's just 
Love it. Red Hood, Outlaw, 33. What'd you think? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> sometimes all you need from a comic book is just to be really cheesy, really yes! fun, yes! and a little, a little dumb. And yes! that's what I that's that's what this is. It's a lot it's a lot of fun. Yes. Um I love the way that he writes Jason Todd, especially now that he's um um you know the boss now. Right. He's not just going around as the Red Hood. He right. is Jason Todd. Yes. Owner of the Iceberg Lounge. Right, which I think is fantastic. Yes. And I mean they already got the Batman interaction out of the way last issue, which yes. I thought was great. Yes. Which that was that was a pimp move like oh what are you gonna do you're gonna drag your son to jail uh-huh and tell him and tell him what i did because yeah. i know a few things too yeah like oh <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. some balls dude oh jason todd has mega balls <laughs> yes but um it just i mean like you said everything is just so awesome it the, is you have the, a smile on your face yes the sisters the um miguel um, the hot blonde girlfriend, of yes, course. Of course. <laughs> um, and even the five aces, yes, is a tired gimmick, but I mean It works. Yeah, they had a they had a great fight scene. They yep. they weren't just they weren't just completely throwaway. They had a couple of like, oh, they got one of them. Oh no. Oh yeah, that? no, it was a competitive fight. Yes. Which makes it all the more better. Absolutely. Um and any I don't know, anytime I see that Susie Sue, I imagine like I'm watching like a wrestling match. Oh, totally. Oh, no. Totally. What's <laughs> oh, on at WrestleMania? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So it just it it just put a big smile on my face. I thought that it was just it was just a blast, man. It was. And, and yeah, with Pete Woods as an art <laughs> on the art. It's I just, love his art. He's a good artist. It's so good. Absolutely agree. He's yeah. great. He's great. I mean, it's cool. I liked reviewing this right after reviewing Scott Snyder's Batman Last because it, it truly shows it shows <laughs> um, how you can have intelligent and brainy and smart mm-hmm. that's that's enjoyable to read, and then you can have dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but not in a negative way, Stephen. I don't I don't mean that negatively. Yeah. This this is is the is so opposite of Batman Laughs. It's it, is there a layer of cheese to it? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Intentionally though, I mean, Lipdale's doing this on purpose. Yes. I mean, this is this is not Rob Liefeld doing Major X. Okay, <laughs> where everything where it's unintentional. You can tell yeah. Lipdale is per- he's he's having fun. Yeah. He's, Kong is firmly in cheek on this. Absolutely. One. Is there a layer of cheese? No <laughs> doubt. Is there is is it, it kind of dumb? Absolutely. Is it just pure wild action and adventure? Yeah. Absolutely. That's what he's going for. That's what he's doing. And it absolutely nails it. It nails it. If you like, you know, Hong Kong kung fu action movies, mm-hmm. you're going to like this title. Because <laughs> it's basically what Labdell is giving you. I mean, am I wrong? It, does this not kind of feel like a Hong Kong kung fu <laughs> action movie? It feels a lot like it, doesn't it? Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it I'm definitely thinking, has that vibe. Yes, I was thinking even just some some of the '80s action movies, like absolutely the really cheesy ones that yes. that you love anyway because yes. they're just so cool. Yes, and and Jason Todd <laughs> is definitely that um, that 1970s 1980s pimp daddy action hero. Yeah. Isn't he? 
Mm-hmm. He's commando. He 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 is he he is everything not PC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's hilarious. <laughs> he is smug. Mm-hmm. He's a douche. But at the same time, he is a pimp daddy, and you love him because he keeps his pimp hands strong throughout the whole issue, doesn't he? Yes, he I does. Mean, he <laughs> is a pimp. It is awesome. He is so cool. It, he gets all the cool lines. He gets, and he is just always, no matter what's going on, penguin threatening him, explosions, people attacking. He just looks like. Another day at the office. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it, Lobdell is just giving us such a, Jason Todd is finally getting his own personality independent of Batman. Yes. Independent of his death at the hands of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Independent of his resurrection. Yep. Finally, he's becoming something totally different and unique and it's setting him apart from all the rest of the robins yeah big time and apart from batman of all the robins i'm about to say jason todd right now has the most unique personality yeah i would agree with that for sure um mm-hmm. and then labdell's killing it with the cast of characters i lo- uh, you know i love todd running the iceberg lounge and i love i love his supporting cast bunker is fantastic in this role. Such a cool character. Mm-hmm. Just so damn cool. <laughs> Every scene he walks into, you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, he is so damn cool, right? Yeah. So damn cool. You feel like he could handle anything. Mm-hmm. And the sisters, Sue, are just awesome. They're just awesome. And you want to know, in this day and age where everyone is obsessed with, you know, uh, generic, strong female Character trademark, yeah, vice principal, strong woman. <laughs> yes, right. Yes, when everyone's obsessed with it, the, these characters show you how you can do it. They're cool. Mm-hmm. They visually look cool. Yes, they have cool personalities. Mm-hmm. Yet they all act like women. Yeah, they all act like women. Mm-hmm. They're not just uh, you know John Wayne with boobs. Right. <laughs> um, you you know what I'm saying? They're not they're not androgynous. No. Um. They uh. They. Susie, going into battle, Susie's smiling. I mean, she's got like, I'm going to kick your ass, but she's yeah. smiling because she's like, yeah, let's rumble. <laughs> you know, Candy, she's got a big old smile. It's like they're, they're real humans. Mm-hmm. They're real women. Yeah. But they're badass. Yeah. It, you know, they don't look like dudes. No. They're not dressed up like dudes. No. One of them is plus size. One of them is plus size. Diversity. There you go. So, I mean, it's it's this is how you do... You want to have cool female, badass female characters, mm-hmm. make them like women, like real yeah. women, mm-hmm. real women, and make them cool yeah. and fun. <laughs> They're fun, Steven. They're fun. You know what I mean? They're just fun characters. They put a smile on your face. I want to read more about them. They're fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like being taken to the principal's office and being spoken to by the school marm. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't, that's, that's not, they're fun. Yeah. You want more of these characters. So this DC, again, DC, in my humble opinion, Stephen, simply knows how to write female characters so much better than Marvel. And I don't even think it's close. I think DC is light years ahead of Marvel when it comes to writing female characters. I don't even think they're in the same stratosphere. Yeah, um, the, um, the, the abuse that the X-Men took, who has all the good female they characters. They have all good female Marvel, characters. Yeah. 
It did not help. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when they when they mm-hmm. lost the uh, the love of the higher ups, that let them slide. So DC just got to say, hey, well, we have all of the rights to our characters, so <laughs> yeah. we're just gonna write ours as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I mean, this is just a fun. This is just a fun, fun, fast paced, mm-hmm. action packed issue. If you like fighting and fun and excitement and quick stories, it's never dull. It's never no. slow. It is wonderfully plotted and paced, Stephen. It's just a blast to read. Just a blast. And the art, Pete Woods, he's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Great artist. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen, Red Hood Outlaw number three, how do you grade it? Um, <laughs> I, I, will, I will grade it. Um, I'll do the art first because the art is just amazing. I'll give the art an eight. Mm-hmm. And I'll give the story. I will give it um, seven slices of cheese between two... Pieces of white bread and grilled Woo! grilled cheese. There you go, yeah. my friend. There you go, my friend. Yeah. I will go. It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I will go eight neck rolls out of ten for the story. Eight neck rolls out of ten for the art. Straight eights for me. I recommend it. If you like fun, action, adventure, and just just a blast, you got it. Mm. You got to try this title. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. If, if DC, if Warner Brothers was smart. Make this a movie. I would say make this like an animated movie. <sighs> Wow. Like a really dope animated female centric oh. action film. Jason Todd and ja- his sister Sue. <laughs> Jason's Angels. <laughs> yes! Oh my God, please make that happen. <laughs> oh God, yes. I just want Jason <laughs> acting like a pimp, but never having to raise a finger to beat anyone up because the sister Sue do it all for him. Yeah. <laughs> and he just stands there like a total pimp yeah. <laughs> while they're beating up people for him. Oh, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that'd be great. Please Good morning, sisters. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be so awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, last up from DC, Stephen. Superman number 10. Mm-hmm. This issue brought to us the words by Brian Bendis mm-hmm. and the gorgeous artwork. Yes. Gorgeous artwork by Yvonne Reese mm-hmm. and Brandon mm-hmm. Peterson. With inks by Claire Albert and Joe Prado, and mm-hmm. colors by Alex Sinclair, and this I just can get right to. This is a beautiful issue. Yes. Be- again, Stephen, this looks like Bronze Age DC artwork, mm-hmm. and that, my friend, is a compliment coming from me because I think Bron- DC had some gorgeous art in the Bronze Age. Just gorgeous artwork. Yes. I mean, you had you had Neil Adams, you had um, you had Jerry Ordway, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you had Mike Grell. Uh, you there was some serious talent in yes. the Bronze Age for DC Comics and made some pretty art. And this this looks like gorgeous Bronze Age artwork to me. And this issue begins with uh, uh, John Kent being attacked by an evil version of of Lois Lane. And I bet you Superman, our Superman, wishes he was married to this version of <laughs> Lois Lane. This version of <laughs> Lois Lane, Stephen, she's pretty smoking hot. Yeah. Uh, the one on our Earth looks like a soccer mom. Not very exciting. She looks like a boring soccer mom, but evil Lois. Moo. That's what you want to come home to, my friend. I mean, she might kill you, but it'll be fun. Well, <laughs> you don't get to go without the bad, Stephen. <laughs> That's what makes life exciting. <laughs> Anyhow, okay. It's like, what? We've learned a lot about yeah. rock today. <laughs> so... So, uh, anyhow, uh, John uh, eventually is trying to fight his mom off, evil mom off, and then Grandpa shows up out of nowhere the, with a Rob Liefeld-esque size gun. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and blasts Lois with it. 
and then Grandpa and John make their escape, and they escape from the dimension, mm -hmm. the the alternate dimension where Lois Lane is evil, mm -hmm. right? This the society of villains. I think yeah, the crime syndicate. The crime I think, syndicate. I think it's that one. Yeah, yeah, it's the crime syndicate reality. So they escape from the crime syndicate's dimension into our regular dimension, and there, uh, uh, Cal. Uh, uh, Jor-El tells John, man, you've been gone for years, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's been years and years, I've spent years trying to find you, and let me tell you what, uh, it, it, your parents, it's only been three weeks, but for us, it's been years, Yeah. and he's like, look, you gotta, you gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta, he puts, gives him a little super outfit, right, mm -hmm. and he's like, we gotta get you back home, and suddenly, they get attacked. Their ship gets attacked. Mm -hmm. And guess who it is? It's Rizzle Grizzle. <laughs> <laughs> and Rizzle Grizzle's ripping through and uh, through the uh, the spaceship trying to uh, get to John and Jor-El. And Jor-El uses a uh, teleporting device to teleport John out of the area. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to say, it's not just Frazzle, Frazzle Rock or whatever. Yes. It's him, mm -hmm. Jax Ur, yes. and General Zod. Yes. All on the same page. Yes. Ooh. Which not not good. That's not good. That's <laughs> bad, my friend. That's bad. So Joel teleports John Kent away from the scene, back to Earth, and then we come to the Fortress of Solitude, where John has been t retelling this whole story to his parents. Mm-hmm. All right. And... Superman's like, look, you know, John, you've been through a lot, but you know, you need to you need to go suit up and go back out there with me. Cause if, you know, Izzle Bizzle is out there <laughs> with General Zod and Jack Sir, we gotta go stop him. Yes. Right. And, you know, John's like, Yes, sir. I'm ready to go, sir. And he proceeds to call his dad sir. <laughs> I don't like that. I try Steven, that is so <laughs> I mean, to each his own, I guess. Everybody raises their family different. That's fine. Sure. Okay. I have two boys, and I get it. Different cultures are different, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, but in our culture, you know, we, we hug, we kiss, mm -hmm. you know, but that's that's different, right? Yeah. Um, you know, usually uh, usually you have, what, what, Greeks, Italians, Hispanics, very huggy-kissy, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's, that's, that's my family. And so the idea of a child ever, one of my boys calling me sir is just like, you're not in the military. <laughs> you're your dad. You know, I just, it's just so, ugh, it's like, what does he give his dad a handshake? Like, hug your freaking dad for Christ's sake. It's your dad. <laughs> he gave you life. Anyhow, just a random, random sidebar there, Stephen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know kind of relationship Brent Bendis had with his father. <laughs> Must not have been a very cordial one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyhow, the long and short of it is Superman and Superboy zoop, back into space, and they arrive where Jor-El's spaceship is located, mm -hmm. and there we have an all-out galactic war going on between Thanagarians and some yeah, other, I, recognize I don't know, the other aliens and like exoskeletons, whatnot. It's a big cosmic war. Yes. Right? And uh, that's the end of the issue. Mm -hmm. Steven, Superman number 10, what do you think? Um, light on plot progression. Yes. But um, I, I think this served as like, okay, well, how did he get... This is the answer to the question of how did he get old, basically. Yes. How did John Kent become right. 17? Yes. And... As 
As far as like length of story goes, it probably could have just been one issue. Oh, Definitely easily. Been one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is bad Bendis again, taking what is was easily a, a, a one-issue story and having to dole it out over several issues. Yes, I, I do agree with that. Um, pacing, not good. No. Um, I... I think that the... I like... I, mm, I still like the stuff with him and, and Superman and Lois. Yes. Um, it's a good dynamic. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's... It play well. It plays to what I think has been the strength of this title since Bendis took over. I like their their little family dynamic. Absolutely. I like the way that he writes them. Yes. Um, and I like the tease of what's coming with um, because Jor-El's like you don't know what kind of deals I made with people. Right. To find you, but yep. and all this other stuff, which is not apparently not good. No. I, I wonder if he made bad deals. Yeah, bad deals with bad people. <laughs> Um, they see the three, um, <laughs> Fraggle Rock, Jack yeah. Sir, and General Zod, who the last time he saw General Zod, he was getting his ass kicked right. by, uh, uh, Bizzle Dizzle, Bizzle Dizzle, yes, Tinky Winky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's not good. I don't, I don't, it makes me a little nervous. Like, oh God. <laughs> right. And, um, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's not. Well paced for sure. Yeah. I can't. I can't. You know. I can't go too hard on it because I do like the stuff with like when Superman says we need to suit up and go out, and he says yes, yes, yes. I'm ready to go. That's I, what he should I say. I love that. It's perfect. And um, I love the scene with Lois where yes. she's telling him goodbye. I thought mm-hmm. that was perfect as well. Um, but um, it's it is unfortunately just a, a holdover until Absolutely. something else happens. It's clearly stalling for time. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the art makes it very um, oh, worthwhile to God, read. Yes, the art is God, gorgeous, Stephen. Yeah. Oh, the art is, yeah, yeah. Wow, the art, the art is the, <laughs> is the by far and away the strength of the issue. Yes, no doubt absolutely. about it. The art overshadows the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, but when you have the, t- I mean, you've got guys like Yvonne Reese and Claire Albert and Joe Prado. I mean, two; mm-hmm. those are three. Those are three titans. Yes. right there, okay? Let's yeah. be honest. Wow. <laughs> You're going to have gorgeous art when you got those three guys on a title. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Steven. Uh, the obvious defects are the, the, the plotting and the pacing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're bad. Yeah. It's not good. And yeah. uh, the, it's very light on content. Mm-hmm. This is a very thin issue. Very, very thin issue. Um, there's not much in terms of plotting whatsoever. Not much in terms of story depth whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and, again, we just feel like we're stalling for time. That's the downside. The plus yes. side is I do like how Bendis writes Lois uh, and and – Clark and John. Mm-hmm. I like how he writes the three characters. I just do. Mm-hmm. I like how he writes that family. I like the family dynamic. He just does a nice job. I, yeah. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I really do. And then the art is just simply absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful issue to look at. And that helps mask for a relatively thin and, you know, kind of fluff filler read. Yes. You know? It's it's not like he doesn't have anything to draw. It's just that what he has to draw is filler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, how, do, how do you grade out Superman number 10? Um, I will give, I'll give the writing, um, I'll give it a six because there was stuff that I did like in yes. it. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't hate the, the bad stuff. It was just like, oh, okay, well. Right. Nah, okay. Right. And um, I'll give the art, I'll give the art an eight. So Fair enough. So good. 
Fair enough. I will go uh, writing. I'm right there with you, Stephen. I'm going to go six Night Girls on 10 for the writing. Okay. Uh, the artwork, I'll go a shade bit above you. I'll go nine Night Girls on 10 for the mm-hmm. artwork. I do have to say, I am pleased to see the return of the misleading cover. Yes! <laughs> I love the misleading cover cover because that, that was a huge thing back in the 60s mm-hmm. 70s and 80s the misleading cover was a big big thing yes like it you know what yeah. else i like covers that have dialogue on them. <laughs> I'll, you never see that anymore i love that that is so old school yes, it is. every once in a while someone will break that out yeah. every once in a while hmm. you don't see it too often but it's cool when you see it yes it is all right my friend off to the House of the Mouse, shall we? House of the Mouse. House of the Mouse. Let's just start this off with Captain Marvel number four. Oh, I thought that was a dialogue box. My uh, you were like, wait, it's dialogue box. <laughs> there it is. It's not dialogue box. Oh. Uh, so Captain Marvel number four is brought to us mm-hmm. by uh, Kelly Thompson doing the words, Carmen Carnero doing the art, and mm-hmm. Tamara Bonvillon. I, I don't know if that's how you say your name. It could be Bonvillian, Bonvillian, but I like <laughs> Bonvillian. <laughs> I just like to say it that way. It just sounds like Bond villain or it something. It <laughs> does. Well, anyway, Tamara does the colors. She does, so, yes. Long and short of it, Stephen, uh, the big recap is you've got a guy called Nuclear Man. Who not has that showed, Nuclear Man. Not Firestorm. And not um, not the guy from Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Oh, God. God, ah, I had to put ah, that on my mind. Ah, <laughs> staticky fingernails. <laughs> so we have Nuclear Man is arrived in New York and kidnaps Ripley Ryan, a reporter, and Carol went after him, only to find herself trapped inside a strange barrier island around Roosevelt Island, and the island is transformed into a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Defended by Spider-Woman, Hazmat, Echo, and She-Hulk. This is so confusing already. (laughs) Because it's like, is this an alternate reality? Yeah. Do these characters know that they're in an alternate reality? Is it our reality, but they've been mind-wiped? Is it our reality with a pocket reality inside of it? Is it our reality with a hologram? Is it our reality and everything's normal, and they know that they're in our reality and everything's Mm -hmm. normal? Why is She-Hulk powerless? It's a it's a lot going on, Stephen. Why can't I tell any of these people apart? <laughs> you can't tell anybody apart. Oh my god! Good luck trying to figure out who is Spider Woman, who is Hazmat, who is Echo, and who is uh, She Hulk because it's just uh, basically it's uh, <laughs> just a bunch of brunette women that are all drawn the same. Yeah, Am I wrong? Like, can I get a, can I get a can I get a redhead in here, please? I can't tell the difference between any of them. It's just uh, it's like five brunette women that all look the same. It's yeah. terrible. The only the only identifiable one is Echo, and that's because she has like a hand on her face. Right. It's like okay, well, I guess that's her. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so evidently, Nuclear Man is intending to build an empire of male dominance. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and this Stephen is where it just. Mm-hmm. This is where Marvel just, just pushing the cart sideways. Mm-hmm. Just pushing the cart <laughs> sideways. It's like. You know, you just like it. Just nuclear man. Is tra- they trapped a bunch, a bunch of men in a, in a citadel, and only one has managed to. So, what is he? He's trapping them, and then he wants to. But but he wants them to have an empire, male dominance. But he's trapping them and keeping them prisoners. I don't understand. And his son, who is named Sam, well, that's creative. My son Sam, <laughs> um, has 
broken away from his dad and is going to side with the rebels. And now our rebels, which are all the women plus some and some of the men who have escaped, I guess. I don't know, Steven. <laughs> and it, it just, it's just like, Marvel just can't, just can't get out of the way. Just, just, you don't have to have some battle of the sexes message. Who are you targeting (laughs) with this story? I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. And all the characters kind of read, like, I I don't, I I wouldn't even give this, my niece wouldn't read this Mm -hmm. because she wouldn't identify with a single character in this comic (laughs) at all. She just wouldn't, because she's a, she's an eleven year old girl. She wouldn't identify with any of these characters, mm-hmm. and she acts like an eleven year old girl. You know, uh, it's it's weird. So basically, Nuclear Man has brought Rogue right to a citadel mm-hmm. to beat up Carol. And Carol, by the way, what a terrible! She looks like a reject from uh, from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, what is going on with this look? <laughs> this look is a hot mess. She looks like the 80s spit her out. <laughs> I mean, because her hair's like really long, but she has it like shaved on one side with like a star shaved in it. It's like the 80s are calling for their look back. Oh my Carol, God. That's, <laughs> it, it looks horrible. It's a terrible look. It's like, can, you, can they just decide one consistent look for this poor woman? First, it's we're gonna make her look like you know a truck driving lesbian, <laughs> right? With super short hair. Yeah. Then we're gonna make her no, 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 no. We're gonna give her like a soccer mom haircut instead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of just kind of like we've given up on life. And I'm not trying yeah. to look. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just. I'm going for like the right down the middle kind going of for frumpy, right? Frumpy soccer mom haircut. <laughs> and now they're going like for the for the like late the, the mid 1980s. Punk haircut. Like, what are you poor doing with this poor character? <laughs> oh, my God. Meanwhile. She's clearly going through a midlife crisis. Clearly. She's only, like, 30. <laughs> I know, right? Clearly. Uh, Rogue, though, looks fantastic, as always. Because Rogue, unlike Carol Danvers, is a wonderful character. <laughs> <laughs> this is a study in contrast. This is really good uh, because it shows you a uh, yeah, Carol Danvers, which is basically... Um, uh, how do I describe Carol Danvers? Uh, J- uh, Hal Jordan with boobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rogue, an actual female character mm-hmm. with a real personality. There's the t- difference. There's the difference, Stephen. Mm-hmm. The-, the plus is we get to see Rogue whoop Carol's ass. That's hilarious. That's the best <laughs> part of this issue. So Rogue's whooping her butt, and then Nuclear Man comes in after uh, Rogue and Carol have fought, and Rogue has collapsed, and Carol's near dead, and Nuclear Man. We then just get dialogue oh about Carol being sassy, and oh, what's sass? sassy? Oh, how sassy, and you're sassy, and and then Carol <laughs> just going like sassy, <laughs> yeah, and Carol just going through right through the dialogue, and, and I'm then, like, oh, I'm like, you don't like sassy? Like, who? What are you? I know. Are it, you a man? <laughs> I know. Come on. And so, and, and then evidently... This is a man who does not put any seasoning on his steak. <laughs> clearly does not. Clearly does not, Stephen. And so, uh, we find out that basically he's here to test Carol, and if she can beat Rogue, then 
then she will be his queen, and they will then produce children that are strong and 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 magnificent, and will rule the world. Right? Yes. Okay. It's it's terrible. Rule the post-apocalyptic universe of Mad Max this Down to Thunderdome Island. Yes. <laughs> and we get to cut to the rebellion, and it's it's again it's Spider Woman, Echo, Jan, and Hazmat, Hazmat, and Som. And Stephen, it's one, two, three. It's three pages of just really dry, boring dialogue about their plan to go yeah. rescue Carol. Of five people who look exactly the same, even the guy. Even the guy looks the same. All five characters look talking the same. about something. It is about yeah what it, they're what they're gonna do. It's like it is about as exciting okay. to read Stephen as a as a uh, as a recipe. It is as exciting to read as as, as your grocery list. <laughs> That's how dry this is. I thought I was watching an episode of The View. Oh, it is. <laughs> God, it is so dry and yeah. dull. Wow. I mean, there's bad, then there's just dry and dull. Yeah. This is bad. It's just dry and dull. And yeah. then we get cut to Nuclear Man's Arena, and we see Rogue and Captain Marvel duking it out while Nuclear Man is watching and getting his jollies, I take it. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> During the fight, um, we see that there's a collar on Rogue's neck, and it's what Nuclear Man is using to control her, mm-hmm. to make her whoop up on Carol. Mm-hmm. And Carol's like, look, Rogue, you need to absorb all of me, but then let me get control of your body after you absorb all of me, and then we can take down Nuclear Man. Mm-hmm. And Rogue agrees to do it. Mm-hmm. So Rogue absorbs all of Carol, and then lets Carol take control of Rogue's body. Mm-hmm. And... Then we cut to our rebellion. And again, everybody looks the same. Because we couldn't have had something even remotely interesting happen. No! We we (laughs) almost had something interesting, Stephen. We almost had something interesting, and then we cut away. And again, the scenes with our best Stephen. Is it me? Is this not the most dry and dull dialogue ever? There is literally not a hint of passion or excitement anywhere to be found here. Is there? I mean, this is like a to-do list. <laughs> it is abysmal. <laughs> it is. I'm reading. I, I, seriously, I, I feel like I'm reading Kelly Thompson's to-do list on her for her Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's just abysmal. And, and and you've got one team, which is called Spider Team, because being led by Spider Woman. Mm-hmm. And then the other team being led by Sam is called Man Team. Cool. Team man for men who want to be on teams. Man team. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> okay, there you go. That. And then <laughs> our two rebellion forces, and, and and it's just these these women, all the females in this team. They're all basically, I mean, they're all basically just John Wayne with boobs. Yeah. Am I wrong? I mean, they're all just this really like androgynousy John Wayne with boobs. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's it's a lot of beige, is what I'm looking at. It is beige it's, characters. It is. This is the. This is why I wanted to compare and contrast with the Sister Sue. Yeah, the Sister Sue were dynamic, full of character, mm-hmm. full of personality, definitively female. Mm-hmm. Big. You knew they are women. They look like women. They act like women. Mm-hmm. Yet super badass. Yeah. Super kick ass. 
super entertaining, and then you get this, this weird, <laughs> beige, androgynous, bland, bland <laughs> John Wayne with boobs. Yeah. For the women in this story. Yeah. This this and Red Hood is just further proof that, you know what, sometimes types aren't a bad thing. Right. You can work with types. Right. Exactly. It's a striking difference, isn't it? Yeah. Just because types are a trope does not mean that it's a bad thing. Bingo. Like, there's this class of writers that thinks that, oh, because it's a trope, it's bad. It's like, no, a tropes are not always lazy. Correct. It helps you follow things. It helps you realize right. what characters are different from other characters. Right. Right. Ugh. So Pet then... Peeve. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and then we cut back to the arena. Rogue is standing triumphant, and Nuclear Man is like, I didn't expect you to win. And <laughs> um, I see you've uh, taken on Carol's eye color. And you're blonde Maybe. now. And, 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 and her golden hair, which is great because I do prefer blondes, which I got to step in and say, Nuclear Man's wrong. Brunettes are better. Um, <laughs> so, Well, gentlemen prefer blondes. Indeed. So indeed. Uh, yes, they do. And mm-hmm. so, and then Rogue goes, yeah, well, uh, well, it's not Rogue. It's, well, it's Carol his Rogue, Rogue, but Carol yeah. controlling Rogue's body goes, well, I've always preferred, preferred brunettes. Mm. I guess that would mean she would like me, Stephen. And you, we're both brunettes. Carol would want to date us. Except we're guys. She probably wouldn't want to date us. <laughs> um, oh, well. She has no time for men. No. Like, she is too she's busy. No, she has no time for romance. Kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> and so she powers up, and it's just the most beige response. You spider woman is like, there we go. And... <laughs> But it, but it's said with no exclamation point, no. But it's just it's 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 like as if she whispered, "There, there we, we go. go," and then Echo just stares, and then <laughs> Jen is like, "That's cool. my girl." That's but it's but it's literally said like that. I mean, girl. it's 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 small font, period. There's no exclamation point. It's not mm-hmm. large. It's not a yeah. It's just that's, that's my girl. That's my girl. And you know, has Matt has Matt just says, "Hell yeah." Oh, again, yeah. no exclamation point, no large font. I mean, it's, again, it's just, it's just very, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. It's just how, wow. How great would it be if someone went to like an old like, like did like Commando, but all the lines are redubbed with like um, deadpan, like um, let off some steam. Yes, because that's how <laughs> it comes across, doesn't it? It comes across literally without any life whatsoever to it. it yeah, is completely. Lifeless. It's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and then, so Rogue slash Carol then <laughs> slams down Mr. Nuclear Man and puts her boot on his chest and says, lick it. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I've gotten some other one's fetish fantasy story. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies, people. She does have her boot on his chest, but we don't go down some kind of weird fetish story. Um, even though I think that's probably where they want to go with it. Um, <laughs> and she and he goes, um, and uh, Nuclear Man goes, well, you think I didn't see this coming? <laughs> I'm silly girl. <laughs> his dialogue is the worst. Yeah. He goes, you haven't even Somehow. found. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. You haven't even found my body. Yet. And then Carol slash Rogue goes, Oh God, it's a trap, and we've walked right into it. Wow, that was so 
it's like and that's one of those ones. I'm like, okay, how long have you been a superhero and you can't tell what a trap looks like? <laughs> it's a trap. It's a <laughs> so Captain Marvel number four, Stephen, lay it on me. Uh, oh God. Um. Well, judging by the font, it's more like NPR presents Captain <laughs> Marvel number four. <laughs> but. Okay, I'm going to say I'm going to say something that is going to sound positive, but is probably yes. more like a backhanded compliment. I like it. Um, this is the most entertaining issue of the series so far. Don't Don't win. <laughs> now I will tell you, there is one thing that I liked. Yes, and I actually genuinely liked it. Yes. Now maybe. Um, Kelly Thompson got to do this because Nuclear Man is such... It, like, calling him a cliche is an insult to cliche characters. Agreed. And there's such, you know, the evil, the evil man <laughs> character. <laughs> like, like they wouldn't even let this character in the WWE. He's no. so cliche. <laughs> even Vince McMahon would say, whoa, 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 that's, whoa. Nuclear Man, that's too cliche that's even too for cliche. the WWE. <laughs> You're going too far there, man. <laughs> Even we have standards. Yeah. But, and I don't remember if she missed the memo, but Carol Danvers is not supposed to be afraid of anything. That's true. She's not supposed to have... Emotions. A character trait. I mean... Um, a character trait? A, a personality. A, a personality. But character flaws. Apparently, yes, a character flaws. She can't. She can't have any flaws. No, she's not. She's supposed to be the one who kicks everybody's ass and saves the day. Yes, because she is Earth's mightiest hero, Rock John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she. Um, Jenny Hex wishes she could be Carol Danvers. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Hex is too girly to be Carol Danvers. <laughs> Carol would spit on her. She'd call her a sissy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, and this is and the, I but I did I liked the her reaction to having to fighting Rogue again. Yes, yes. that's I think it's a great use that's of good, her of her history. Yes, um, because out of I mean Carol has had a rough time in the Indeed. comics. She's a drunk. She's a drunk. She's had lost her memory like five times. Yeah, I don't know. she was. She's uh, got problems. She's been pretty. Was pretty much um, 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 mind raped by that Marcus guy. Was she? We don't like she, to talk about that. Wasn't but she a, a stripper in Miami for a year one summer? Well, she was paying for medical school. So. <laughs> <laughs> that did that did not happen. Oh, okay. I don't think so. All right. But I think probably the one person who violated her the worst Rogue. was probably Rogue. Easily. And to see like this to see her just completely terrified of her is yes. really kinda it's like, wow, you you're writing a character. It's the only time I saw anything that resembled character work. Exactly. I was like, Yeah, I yes. agree. And then it quickly went away. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the John Wayne personality now like, back in again. Yeah, as soon as and, she took over yeah. Rogue, it's yeah. like, all right, now I'm going to kick. It's like, well, I mean, like, why don't we, like, yeah. can we, like, have them, like, telepathically communicate? We almost or saw something? something called personality and texture, yeah. nuance, character flaw. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm, but that no, was gone. I mean, no, didn't do that. No, I mean, I, 
I guess just on a visceral level, I liked the fight when they were fighting. I was like, okay, well, that's the fight. The issue was watching Rogue kick Carol's ass. Yeah. There you go. Again, Rogue is awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. She is very good. If, um, if, if there is a female <laughs> character that Marvel wanted to push like their new Roman Reigns, might I suggest Rogue? Don't put that on. Over there. Captain Marvel. <laughs> okay? If I were to put this in WWE parlance, Stephen, uh, Rogue <laughs> would be uh, Daniel Bryan, when he was a face before they did the heel turn recently, uh, as a face, super popular. Mm-hmm. And Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, would be Roman Reigns. Yeah. The crowd wants you to push one versus the other. Rogue is a better character, mm-hmm. objectively, Stephen. Yeah. Objectively better character, period. Mm-hmm. More defined, more developed, more compelling, mm-hmm. more interesting, acts like a real woman, somebody you would actually see in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it has an awesome power. If you need a heavy hitter, yeah. she's as much of a heavy hitter as Carol Danvers. She's yeah. a huge, awesome power well, set. She has her power. Thank you. <laughs> so um, a, a massive power set, uh, but but <clears throat> is a real person yeah. and isn't just a walking uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. I would push Rogue. I think this issue shows you the difference between Character, female characters that Marvel has that are kick-ass awesome, yeah. but because they're part of the X-Men franchise, we had to ignore them forever. Yeah. In Rogue versus one that nobody likes. No. I, if Marvel put the push behind Rogue's character, they have pushed behind Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, mm-hmm. Rogue would be selling more copies. I'm telling you. Hmm. She's hmm. a more popular character. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> She's a more popular character. Against, um, among Marvel readers, Yeah, she is more popular. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. You know, so for me, the highlight of the issue is seeing Rogue. Yeah. <laughs> Rogue is great. Mm-hmm. She's just a cool character. Yes, and you can tell who she is Yes. in the art. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, if it wasn't for that problem, I would say I thought the art was pretty all right other than you couldn't tell who was who that's the problem exactly right is the backgrounds look fine mm-hmm. i think some of the actions done fairly fairly well mm-hmm. i guess um but then you get to the room where you're having the view and i can't tell anybody apart right i don't okay is that and then you have somebody said jessica but i thought that, that person was jen walters mm-hmm. but no wait no that person oh wait no that's a guy <laughs> right, but but then who's that? Yep. I don't know who that is. Yep. Oh no, that's Echo. She has a hand on her head. Mm-hmm. But and now we're back. Then it goes back to the same person I just figured out, and I don't know who it is again. Right. That's that's a big problem. It is big problem. It. What'd you think of all the supporting cast? Huh. Um. Well, they were not uh, written. Um, I would say <laughs> there are words, but I would not say that it was written. No, it was more like uh, they fed they fed this plot into a dialogue generator. Yes, and it spat out this generic, yeah, bland. Bleh. And I don't, I, I don't. It, it it doesn't have to be this way. Like I mean, Carol Danvers. Now, yes, they they botched her character so so badly, but. You know, she used to be so good, so compelling, and so interesting. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, and that's why I like the stuff. Maybe the stuff I liked with Rogue a little more, a little too much. Because like it mm-hmm. reminds me how interesting she used to be. Yep. When they didn't run away from her past. Yep. Or you know, I mean, they could have tried to like do a Hawkman and fix it because it is a little complicated. It is. But like, it's like yes, like come on, do this more, please. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're probably not going to do that. Um, and just everybody else. I mean. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Spider-Woman, perhaps not the most interesting character. No. <laughs> uh, could, be, could be, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we, God, we love talking about She-Hulk. Oh, God, yes. Um, and Everybody how, knows I love me some She-Hulk. Yeah. Um, I think Echo could be a cool character. Mm-hmm. But it's, and ha- I'm not even going to talk about Hazmat. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. She could die. Could she die in this story? That'd be great. <laughs> um... It's it's just it's 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 just boring. It, it really is. Rogue is. says nothing and is infinitely more interesting. Amazingly than, enough, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm with you. It just it, the dialogue, Stephen, is bland. Yeah, it's just bland. At best, at best bland. Yeah. At worst, mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. I mean, it's just it well. Is... I I would say Nuclear <laughs> Man's crosses the line into just stupid. Oh yeah, Nuclear Man's dialogue is absolutely stupid. Yeah. It is. It is. Like it is. Brain it's just, dead stupid. It. it <clears throat> Brain dead stupid is fair. Yeah. It, it is cliche ridden, cringe inducing bad. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's just atrocious. There's yeah. no excuse for it. I mean, it's like you're trying to be that bad. Yeah. And and at best, it's just boring and bland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the character work is the same. Yeah. Everybody, there's no character in. There's no character work here. Nobody has a personality. Nobody has a personality, except for Nuclear Man, which is just. Again, it's the worst which is, personality, which is just <laughs> the most uncreative and lame cliche possible personality. Yes. So again, it's either lame cliche or just bland and neutral. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. This story has, it just as a whole, the story has it has no heart. No. It has no passion. No pulse. It ha- no. It has no soul. Yeah. At all. It's empty. It is utterly empty. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's. Amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. We read so many comics, uh, you know, just in this podcast. Even the Batman Who Laughs and, and Red Hood and Superman, even Superman, they didn't have a lot of plot progression. Mm-hmm. It still has heart yeah. and soul. The way they write, the, the way Bendis writes the family of Clark, Lois, and John. You know, Batman Who Laughs, that has soul mm-hmm. and and passion and emotion and a life. Red Hood has passion. An emotion. It has a soul. Mm-hmm. It, it has not ex- the same. Soul, not the same type. But it does have it. Has it. More the, <laughs> it has more of like the it has fun personality. It has more of like the fun yeah. puppy dog personality yes. type of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Excitement. This Captain Marvel Force lacking anything. Yeah. At all. It mm-hmm. it is it is it's it's a it's just a flat line. Mm-hmm. There's it's it's terrible. Yeah. It's like a corpse of an issue. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly, I mean, because I've, I mean, I'm always one that you know kind of wants to be like, well, why, why, why doesn't Disney or Warner Brothers push these comics more? Why don't they try to get it out there? Don't they want to make a return on their investment in this mm-hmm. business? I, they cannot push this one, and I'm just fine because they Can't. Marvel, they just for some reason after. Um, Deconic left. I mean, I know you don't. You're not a particular fan, but I really liked mm-hmm. her run because because mm-hmm. it had something of a personality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, after after she left, it's like, yeah, let's just find the people who just can just turn in an issue with words in it. Yes. And that's, that's all we need. That's it. Like, Nothing more than that. No. Like, where was the guy who wrote that Infinity Countdown issue that mm-hmm. I love? That is so great because mm-hmm. it really showed, made her a real character again. Mm-hmm. Like, where is that guy? Was he busy doing right. something better, probably? Right. <laughs> right. It's just, I, I just don't get it. Like, why? Like, just have somebody, like an editor, sit down and say, what, where's the heart? Why should I care about what's happening? Yeah, you don't. It, it, it is about as exciting and as passionate and as fun and as interesting as watching C-SPAN. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyhow, Captain Marvel number four, how you grade it? <laughs> um, the only thing that keeps it from getting a two is that I like the stuff with her thinking about Rogue. So mm-hmm, I will give mm-hmm. the writing a three. Mm-hmm. I'll give the art... <sighs> I'll give the art a six. Mm-hmm. I like the backgrounds, I like some of the action, but mm-hmm. it is unforgivable that I cannot distinguish one character from another, mm-hmm. let alone five characters, one of whom is supposed to be a guy. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to give it, jeez, uh, I don't know. It's two Night Girls out of ten for the writing. Sure. I mean, it's just a corpse of an issue. There's mm-hmm. nothing there. And uh, the art, I'll go five Night Girls out of ten. It's just down the middle for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next up, War O the Realms. On that Journey into <laughs> Mystery. Number one, brought to us the words, the McElroys. They do a podcast. They're podcasters. They do a bunch of podcasts. It's like a whole family, and they do podcasts. And so they've hired them to. So, how many of them are there? There's like a couple of brothers and a dad and something like that. I don't know. I don't listen to the podcast. I just know it's a podcast and. It's it's a whole family. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good sign already. Yeah, right. Writing yeah. by committee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always fun. The art is Andre Lima. Uh, is that a V? A U? I don't like this. It's like this. It's 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 this. Uh, you know, it's this. Uh, it's a pseudo Lord of the Rings font. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Really. <laughs> Andre Lima Arajo, and colors by Chris. O'Halloran. Okay. Boy, that <laughs> font's a pain in the butt. Anyhow, yes. <laughs> uh, this issue, we have um, the team of Kate Bishop, Miles Morales, Wonder Man, and Death Locket. Death Lock 2.0, I guess. And Balder the Brave, all trying to rescue. And Thori, Thor's dog, trying to rescue Thor. <laughs> Thor and Balder's little sister because yep that's what we need little baby sister thor mm-hmm. yay and so the uh the queen of the uh fire realm is trying to capture the thor's little baby sister and uh that's that's the that's the conflict steven and we get some you know fighting between uh, the bad guys and the good guys and um the good guys uh, end up finding the little Thor's little Thor and Baldur's little sister, um, and our heroes are. You know, I, I don't know, Stephen. It's they're just they battle. They battle some random, generic, bad guys, um, 
One of them is called Slaughterman, who's a merc, I guess. And Kate ends up uh, shooting arrows at his balls to get him to stop fighting him and then serves papers on him because yeah, she's a process she's going server. Yeah, through all that to serve papers. Yeah, and... Cool. And she's like, oh, no, boo-boo. <laughs> I'm not a cop. I'm a PI. You've been served. I'm just like, okay. Do you think you would ever see... Do you think Marvel would ever publish a comic where uh, Hawkeye shot um, uh, arrows at a woman's boobs or a vagina and threatened to put another one up through her vagina? Uh, like that, she did to this guy's junk. Is that even a question? <laughs> I think we know the answer. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> so, um, it's it's essentially we're just assembling the team, Stephen, mm-hmm. and it's full of just really cheesy dialogue. It's supposed to be funny, but it's not very funny. No, and at least I didn't think it was particularly funny. And it's it's just basically Balder assembling his team of Kate Bishop and and Deathlock version two point which is just I don't even know where that came just from. Terrible! It's like really? that is so Marvel. Let's yeah. take an established character and then make a Teen Gold version of it. Whoa, we did it! And then nobody likes that new character because they're just viewed as a lame ripoff character. Yeah. Best and- to create a new character of out of whole cloth, Stephen. Then simply take an established male character and turn them into a teenage girl. Yes, it, it, you just—it just—it's such a lame way to create a character, mm-hmm. and the character will forever struggle to be viewed as anything other than a lame, gimmicky knockoff. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I just—I mean, it's not rocket science. Um, and then, of course, you got Wonder Man, also who's a pacifist. So I don't know how much he's how good he's going to be in a fight, right? Mm-hmm. But we've got the whole team assembled. Wonder Man, Balder the Brave, Miles Morales, Kate Bishop, and Balder, and they've got Thori, and they've got the little baby, right? Mm-hmm. And uh-oh, we see that they are about to be attacked by Ares. Bum bum bum. And uh, which is pretty big because we haven't seen Ares in a while. Mm-hmm. I and think since he was killed. Right back in um Siege. Siege, yeah. right? Ares is a fantastic character. I've always liked Ares. He's yes. badass. Yeah. And I do like, I, the only thing I really liked about this issue is <laughs> the tagline for the next issue, you know? Where it, says, <laughs> it says, next, <laughs> colon, oh my god, it's Ares! <laughs> because in my head, I hear the voice of Jim Ross, yeah. famed WWE announcer, going, <laughs> oh my god, it's Kane! It's Kane! <laughs> <laughs> and Ares arrives, you know, it's like it's all smoldering fire everywhere, which Kane always appears in fire as well. And Ares is a similar character like Kane, right? Like this unstoppable hell beast character, right? So I just I just see that. I just I heard James Ross's voice in my head. Oh my god, it's Ares! It's Ares! <laughs> that was the highlight of the issue for me, Steven. Otherwise, this was just really yeah. poorly maybe it was, maybe it's just me steven i just thought the plotting it was a disjointed mess the way it just hopped trying to recap this was really hard without me rereading the issue too entirely because it was such a disjointed mess with yeah. the way it just bounced all around between beginning with them being attacked by what turned out to be aries mm-hmm. that's where it began right yeah and then it cuts to 
him picking out this one teammate and this this, this teammate and this and, it, mm-hmm. and then landing back at where we began with Ares attacking them. Yes. It was such a disjointed mess. It was so horribly choppy. The scene transition sucked. I mean, the plotting of it sucked. It was mm-hmm. terrible. The construction, just the basic construction of the story was abysmal, and it made it really lousy to read and really just, just sloppy and all over the place. It, it did something that I thought was um, not very... <laughs> good which is that okay so it's supposed to be a war of the realms right mm-hmm. it's supposed to be an invasion of midgard right mm-hmm. so why is everybody just in new york mm-hmm. like apparently kate bishop is out serving papers and has no clue of what's going on in right. new york right but if it's an invasion of a realm then why are they only in new york city and not where she is right or on the road oh they're in oklahoma Okay. Right. Then cool. So New York, Oklahoma. Got it. I'm glad that we picked the most important places in the universe. Yes. To to take out. Good job. <laughs> right. I mean. So th- talk about limiting your you're limiting your scope. Yes. For your big event. Makes no sense. No. <laughs> I just I just thought the construction of the issue itself. Mm-hmm. The, the, just from a technical standpoint, yeah. I, it was not well written. Mm-hmm. It, it just had a lot of fundamental basic flaws in just just the basic writing and basic construction. Mm-hmm. The 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 <laughs> just just not well done. You yeah. could just tell that this this does not read to me, Stephen, as a professionally written comic. When I'm buying, I'm sorry. When I'm buying a Marvel, if I'm buying an indie comic, Stephen, I will give. <laughs> I will give. I will lower. I will grade on a curve, and mm-hmm. I will lower my expectations for the quality of the writing. Because I know it's an indie comic, and it's hit or miss. Yeah, that's the nature mm-hmm. of indie that's comics. Fair. You might find something. Look, it might be a big name writer doing an indie comic. Like Jonathan Hickman might do an indie comic. Grant Morrison does indie comics. So you might get a big name guy who's deciding I'm going to do my own creator own title, and it's going to be for some, you know, indie publisher. Well, you know mm-hmm. that's going to be well written, obviously. Yeah. But there's also plenty of indie comics that are just b- done by just rando creators mm-hmm. right yeah and, it, and it's hit or miss you don't know what you're gonna get yeah but when i buy a marvel or dc comic that is again you you, you are ostensibly the you're the big leagues you're the big leagues yeah okay mm-hmm. and uh, just like uh, what I, you might be okay with uh the the quality of play you might be okay when you go to a high school game it's not gonna be the same as when you're at a pro game mm-hmm. right i mean and this is not the level of professional writing mm-hmm. that I expect when I plunk down the big ass price tag yeah. for a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. It's not. It yeah. just it was far far below the quality of writing. We talk about the quality of writing in general with Scott Snyder mm-hmm. on the Batman Who Laughs. Well, the quality of writing it just in general, Steve. Not picking out just you know anything specific like oh character work or dialogue. Just the overall quality of writing is very low Mm -hmm. it reads like fan fiction it reads yeah that's what it reads like to me Mm -hmm. that uh, yeah i would say that's what it reads like to me as well um except i've read fan fiction that's better than this (laughs) um now i didn't hate it per se i just find it no i didn't hate it either yeah I just find it interesting that out of what six or eight people or whatever, that not one of them can write an issue properly. Yes, um, and that's just kind of the thing. Like, I mean, the structure is terrible. Yes, but it's terrible because they start 
and they're getting attacked. I mean, and that going back, that's not a problem. No, like, that's no, no, how, no, no, that happens all the time. Absolutely. But it goes to um, we're back in New York. Oh no, we're back in the past. Oh, your sister. Oh, now we're in New York. Oh, now you don't know where my sister is. Oh, now I know where your sister is. Which I thought the only line that I thought was funny was when she started doing the Oklahoma thing. Yes. Cinder. It's like, yeah, it's a giant castle in Oklahoma. I think I know where it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's probably wasn't the smartest idea <laughs> for for Freya. But um, and it, it's you know just bouncing from that to oh now we're gonna and my, now Miles Morales is here out of nowhere. We didn't see him in the first no. in, in War of the Realms, but no. he's here. Yes, I guess that makes sense. He's from New York, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. But there's a cosplayer as Wolverine who's gay. Yes, of course. Yes, um, <laughs> yes. I don't know where I didn't know where that that, that As like, where, where was that going? I didn't even like know where that came from. Like, what is what was the point of even saying that? I, I don't know. It's just wasted space, pretty much. Well, that was just boop on your nose. Mm-hmm. That's like, all. It oh was. look, yeah, right. That's all. I mean, yeah, that's all that it was. There's yeah. no point to any of it. Mm-hmm. None of it was organic. None of it was organic. No. And again, if something organically works in a story, thumbs mm-hmm. up. Yeah, sure. Thumbs up. Sure. No problem. Mm-hmm. But when it doesn't organically fit in the story and you're just going boop on my nose, then it's kind of like, well, what are we doing here? Yeah. Where's this coming from? Yeah. And not, and then like, oh, well, Balder and Miles and Thori are going to go to Oklahoma. They're going to pick up the sister and then they're going to get their team together. Yeah. It's like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Because no. it seems like they're just going all over the place yes. now. Yes. And I mean, Kate Bishop, of course, they're going to try to push her because it's that's their that's, that's their new that's Carol their, Danvers, right? That's they their can't, new thing. They couldn't let her be a good character. They had to just destroy her because agenda. Yep. Whatever. Um, she used to be such a good character too. She back, did back in the day. Mm-hmm. She was a good character. Yeah. They really ruined her. Yeah. Yep. It's Marvel. Yep. <laughs> no, no, Give us your do? female characters, and we will we'll ruin, ruin them. them. <laughs> we'll ruin them. Yeah, she was great back in the day, though. And um, and God, I forgot who asked me. Deathlock. I didn't even know there was another Ugh. Deathlock. Uh, just I didn't. We so didn't need lame. one. But and then to bring Doctor Druid back. Wow. Like that. Yeah. To have him even look like Doctor Strange, and just just be a joke. It's like seriously. Yeah. It's like you people have like no respect for any of your characters yeah. anymore. Yeah, I know. And it, it's just it, that's contributes to how disjointed it is because it just feels like okay, well, where are these? Are these all in, like in the same neighborhood? Or are you going across the country to find them? Yeah. Why couldn't we have done this before we found the baby yes. so we could have some like interaction and yes. uh, oh, and Wonder Man. Yes, poor one. I mean, Wonder Man. I that poor character. I love him. But they uh, they uh. take him being a pacifist for being just a giant do nothing. Yep, and a dumbass. It's like, yep. yeah, I don't believe that's what he is. I know it's terrible. And it's like, well, I'd be happy to see Wonder Man on a regular occasion. Yes, and at least they didn't like replace him with some younger teenager. <laughs> like, oh, you thought it was Wonder Man, but actually, nope. Yeah, it just no. it, the whole thing kind of reeks of um, amateur hour. Yes. And a little bit of, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of, um, oh, look how look how clever we are yes. with our cleverness. Like, yes. No, I don't. So yes. I was going to say smugness, but it doesn't really reek of smugness. It just reeks of. Look how clever ah, we are. Ah, where's, there you go. 
Yeah. We got you there, didn't we? Like, yeah. no, I don't. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you did not get me. Exactly. So it's just, I mean, it's not terrible, I guess, but it's just, it's not good either. No, it's, just, it's not. Ugh. And I didn't enjoy the artwork. I didn't either. I thought the artwork was very, very inconsistent, Stephen. Yeah. Really up and down. Some panels, it just looks like, wow, really poorly. <laughs> Like <laughs> childish drawings, it just does not look good in some parts. Yeah, it's like, at I know. All. I know they're supposed to be cosplayers, but for God's sake, like, come on! Oh, <laughs> it some some panels just don't look good in the least bit. Yeah. So like I that, like that. Like you just flipped past one of Kate Bishop. She looks like a twelve-year-old girl in that. Yeah. Like what it, the hell? <laughs> it's yeah, not not good. No, but yeah, uh, yeah, not, I, I, I yeah. There's nothing here. I wouldn't recommend this at all. No. It's it's uh it's just not good writing. There's no character work. It's not good dialogue. It's just not very professionally done in the least bit at all. And there's no reason in the world this would you should ever spend your money on something like this. It's just it's not up to the standard that you should be expecting from Marvel Comics no. in the least bit. In the least bit. This reads like a cash grab. Yeah. And they probably got them because they were cheap. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. How do you grade out War of the Realms? Journey into Mystery, number one. Um, I'll give I'll give the writing the lower end of, of, of the middle of the road. I'll give it a four. Yeah. And the art, I guess I'll just give that a four, too. I thought it was too inconsistent. Yeah. But the yeah. stuff that looked okay was just okay. So. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, two Night Girls out of ten for the writing. Mm-hmm. And the art, I'm going to go four night girls out of ten for the artwork. Yeah. It is a big old pass. Too bad, because I really enjoyed the War of the Realms number one by Aaron. I was hoping some of these tie-in issues would be a lot of fun, because yeah. I thought that the first issue of the big event was really fun. Mm-hmm. So I was, I had high hopes. I was yeah. like, cool, this should be neat. You know, this should just be a rock'em, sock'em time, and no. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, there you go. <laughs> uh, last up, Steven. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 19. Mm-hmm. Words, Nick Spencer. Art, Gerardo, Sandoval. Colors, Edgar Delgado and Eric Arcaniega. This issue, Stephen. Uh, we've got the Black Cat and little, uh, little Connor, Little Lizard, Billy Connors, in uh, captured, right, in Craven's castle, mm-hmm. or big home, estate, whatever. Yeah. And we see Craven and his son, and they're talking about what, a, what an amazing thing they're doing. And Craven, the son... Junior Craven Junior is like you know we need to you know we need to we need to have this moment ourselves. We shouldn't be letting these idiots, these rich people that you're letting pilot our little robot Craven AI killer thingies. Yeah. Um, they're basically like drones, aren't they? These Craven robots are like drones. You pilot them remotely mm-hmm. through an AI system. Yeah. And Craven's like you know we should be doing this hunt. We should be killing Spider Man. You shouldn't be letting these rich people do it using our robots. Mm-hmm. And Craven's like nope, not time yet. But soon. And then we cut to Spider-Man with a bunch of the uh, animal uh, villains all killed off. And one of them being the Gibbon. And then some of the Craven robots uh, track down Spider-Man. And Spider-Man, you know, boop, 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 does a little fighting with them. And during the fight, he notices that there are these arrows, these greater than sign arrows that keep marking the area. And he's mm-hmm. like, what is this, some kind of trail? I should follow these, right? Well, it leads him to an underground, like, little cave area under a bridge where all the uh, 
animal villains are meeting and they're meeting with the vulture and the vulture is here to say that he has a plan on what to do that he and the gibbon teamed up to um uh, to take down one of these craven robots right gibbon held it while the vulture used his brilliant robotics engineering background <laughs> to reverse engineer this uh craven uh robot to figure out what the weakness is mm -hmm. and uh, the, the gibbon died in the process of holding the robot down very heroically. Right. And then Spider-Man shows up and goes, really? You're going to believe the vulture? Are you <laughs> kidding me? He's a dumbass. He's not trustworthy. I know we're all villains, but really, this guy, the vulture, you're going to believe him? Yeah. The fact is... And the, and it's it's clued off by the fact that the vulture has the given saying things like, Oh. Vulture, use your great intelligence to destroy this robot while I hold it down. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, the story totally makes the vulture look to be like this amazing brainiac genius hero. Yes. Right? Just in, in the given just in awe of him and willing to sacrifice his life, right? For the vulture to, to use his brilliance to figure yeah. out a plan. And Spider Man uh, is here to tell them, you can't listen to the vulture, he's full of crap. And the uh, rhino's like, immediately attacks Spider Man because in the past issue, when mm -hmm. uh, he got captured by Taskmaster and uh, Black Ant, Mm -hmm. uh, Spidey was um, helping save innocent lives instead of helping Rhino. Yes. And Rhino's kind of like, oh, so I'm not worth helping, I guess, huh? <laughs> and the Vulture's like, settle down. We're all together. And if Spider-Man wants to be on our side, he can be on our side. Mm -hmm. If he wants to run and hide, he can run and hide. But I can lead us all to victory. Who's with me? And all the villains are like, yay, we'll follow <laughs> you, Vulture. And Spider-Man's like, really? <laughs> really? And then we come back to the Black Cat, and she's wooing the prison guard and the prison guard yeah, you're not gonna use your feminine wiles on me that ain't gonna work I know what you're doing she goes actually I'm focusing on you because I got my ability to create bad luck for people so I just created some bad luck for you and the cage with holding the snow leopard unlocks and the snow leopard villain hops out and attacks the guard mm -hmm. and while he's attacking the guard black cat reaches out pulls out the little pass key <laughs> from the guard's pocket and bloop opens up her, her prison Mm -hmm. and tells little Billy Connors, come on, we got to go. And then we cut to Arcade, meeting with a Taskmaster, and Taskmaster unveils that he, was, he wasn't going to leave Arcade just yet until he finished the job. He's a mm -hmm. professional. Arcade's like, this is why I like doing business with you, Tasky. <laughs> You're a real pro. Yeah. And we see that uh, Taskmaster has captured the lizard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We come back to Spidey, and he's trying to figure out a way to get out of this place. And... Um, Spidey is then uh, attacked by a Craven robot, and Spider-Man starts whooping butt on that Craven robot, like just beating it to pieces. He just totally loses it. Yeah, totally loses it. And um, suddenly, Black Ant appears and goes, "Hi, Spidey." And Spider-Man's like, "What do you want? You come here to admire a job well done." Black Ant's like, "Actually, I'm just trying to stop you from doing something you'll regret. It's time you learn the truth about this place." What is Black Ant doing a little face turn, Steven? <laughs> what is going on here? Well, remember the Taskmaster tased him and left him in there. He so, did. He did because he's he's also Ant-Man is an animal, animal. That's right. gimmick hero, villain. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, Steven, <laughs> amazing Spider-Man number 19. What do you think? Um I think this I think it has a similar problem to Superman where the plot does not progress very far. Fair point. But yes. unlike that one, 
I think this was a lot more entertaining than yes. Superman was. Yes. Um, I think that um, Spencer has, a, I mean, with the Vulture's story is one of those where it's so it's so over the top and stupid that oh, yeah. it makes you it makes you laugh, but it also like kind of rolls your eyes like, oh, of course he would do he would say something like Cast that. Cast himself in such a heroic role. Exactly. And um I really liked the um I just liked the stuff the black cat. I thought that was that was a little humorous as well. I mean it was it was smart because, you know, she's just using her powers. Showing off her power set to readers who may not be familiar with her. Mm-hmm. And um getting her over as somebody who's very um Crafty and wily, dangerous. Yeah, and not afraid to bend the rules or get mm-hmm. a little get a little dirty. Yeah, go places Spider Man would not. Agreed. It does highlight the difference between the two characters mm-hmm. and their approach. But I also thought there was some humor in that where, you know, little Billy doesn't want to leave and she's like, Oh, I probably should have had him cover his eyes first. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. But it it's the good progression, I guess, or at least what moves forward is that the villains, they finally gotten together in a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not just mm-hmm. running around scattered. Um, I like the the stuff with the characters. Like with the rhino, of course, it makes sense that he would feel that he was, you know, abandoned Betrayed. by Spider-Man. Yes. And, that was good. And I like that, you know, the villains, they, I mean, they... That the fact they would follow the vulture because I mean let's they're be dumb. real they're not they're not the best and the brightest <laughs> no they are the cowardly and superstitious lot yes. that you know Batman yes. believes villains to be mm-hmm. so of course if someone sounds like they have a plan yes then they're gonna follow them right um, these aren't exactly the A lister of villains either <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest pretty much there's only what maybe two big Spider-Man villains yeah. there the Rhino and the Vulture yes it's like you know. Um, and with the lizard, yeah, true. I mean, he's not, but he's not in that now, scene. But, but yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, I mean, you know, that it's like, okay, well, we're moving forward in this direction. I guess now there's going to be a big battle. They're going to hunt down the the villains and just overwhelm them with force. Like, yep. Okay, well, that's a good strategy. Or and and then at least at the end, it's like, well, apparently it's not a good strategy. Which I'm I'm wondering what Black Ant means. Yes, because I'm. I have the feeling that they are all rigged with bombs. Very possible. That this has been totally rigged to right. they're all going to die. Yeah. And which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, other than that, I mean, it is, it's still fun. It moves well enough for mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. more, a bit more of a filler issue. Mm-hmm. And it's still funny. Yes. I like that very it much. hasn't lost the sense of humor. No. Despite the serious nature of the story. Yes. Still v- great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. An appropriate sense of humor. Yes. Appropriate. Um, and not too goofy. It doesn't go too far. Anything right. like that. Um, the only thing I would say, other than just the, the lack of any real progression that I had a problem with, mm-hmm. is that I'm just not... I guess I'm just not really digging the art as much. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Uh, it's Fair point. It's fine. It's okay. But... I don't know. It's sometimes it's just too dark. Yeah, it doesn't add much to the story. Doesn't have a lot of definition in some parts. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, it's it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's fine, but you know, it's not really bringing much additional to the story for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the the downside to this issue, obviously, is this this reads a lot like filler. I think you you, you nailed it. I think it's a lot like Superman number ten. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where we kind of end the issue roughly where we were at the end of last issue. Yeah. That really the only plot progression happens on the very last page yeah. when Black Ant shows up. Mm-hmm. That until then, it's basically just a lot of filler, a lot of treading water. And so it, it takes a hit for the slow pacing, the lack of plot progression. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, despite how much I love the character work. Yeah. I do. I love the character work. And I love the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I love the fun vibe of the title. Mm-hmm. And I love the action. And I like the chemistry between the <laughs> characters. And it is a fun comic. But, yeah. again, just like Superman 10, where we like the character work and mm-hmm. the family and all. But, but, you know, I can't turn a blind eye to the fact that it is really just a filler issue. Yeah. Nothing happens. You could skip this issue, Steven, and you'd be okay. Mm-hmm. You really could. Yeah. And comics aren't cheap these days. No. So I have less and less tolerance for issues that you could easily skip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but on the plus side, I totally agree with you. It's fun. It is mm-hmm. a fun story. Despite being, have serious natures to the story itself, the, you know, Craven's plan is pretty dark. Mm-hmm. It's still a fun title. Great dialogue. Great character work, great chemistry, really entertaining. The scene with the vulture and the gibbon, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man's reaction to the vulture story is like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> the vulture? I know you're all villains, but the vulture? <laughs> this is the guy you're going to believe? I mean, just really well done. I love the hook ending of Black Ant uh, reaching out to Spider-Man to mm-hmm. tell him what's going on. Yeah. I like the Black Ant being... Kind of switching sides. Yeah. It works. It fits his character. Eric O'Grady is an awesome, awesome character. Mm-hmm. I love Eric O'Grady, created by Robert Kirkman. Kirkman mm-hmm. Robert Kirkman and Phil Hester. The Irredeemable Ant-Man was a brilliant title. Yes. Just a brilliant title. And mm-hmm. Eric O'Grady, he is chaotic neutral. Yeah. <laughs> That's his character. He's chaotic neutral. He's yeah. not a bad guy. He's not a good guy. He's chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. But he's a character that I fell in love with on Irredeemable Ant Man. He's yeah. an easy character to root for. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I, I like that. I hope that Spencer's plan for Eric Gray is to keep him chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping they keep him as. Yeah. You know, you like him. But he's going to be chaotic neutral, sure, at all times. <laughs> um, that that's that's my hope. That's yeah, my hope. Same. Um, so I'm really, I think it's a great Hulk ending, and I'm excited for the next issue because I think the next issue is really going to be the one you want to read. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and I'm with you on the artwork. The artwork is just kind of, it's just there. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Again, it doesn't get away the story, but it doesn't add to the story either. Sure. It's just there. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if there was better artwork. No yeah. doubt, no doubt, because I think Spencer, Spencer in general, is doing a great job on Amazing Spider-Man. He continues. I just, I think he continues to nail the right tone to all the characters. Mm-hmm. He has a good feel for all the characters, and he's got the right mood. He's got the right vibe. This is good Marvel. Amazing Spider-Man, good Marvel. Yes, good Marvel. Mm-hmm. This is what Marvel should be doing more of. Mm-hmm. More of this, and listen. There's a reason why Amazing Spider-Man is Sells. their bestseller. Yeah. How Marvel can't figure this <laughs> out is literally beyond me, Stephen. Yeah. It really is. I don't get it. Um, the yeah. proof is in the pudding. Look at your titles that are selling well. Mm-hmm. How are they being written? 
Look at the ones that don't sell well. Captain Marvel. How are they being written? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, West Coast Avengers, Champions. Look at the ones that don't sell. <laughs> Look at the ones that do sell. It's really obvious the difference in how you're writing them. It's painfully obvious to everyone. Yeah. Um, I can maybe only think of one example of a title that probably isn't going to sell gangbusters, but it's still written well. That's probably Invaders. It's just... Agreed. You know, people I agree. just don't know, but that's I, I agree. the only one I could think of that's not that isn't at least selling decently. I agree. That is written well. You're right. It's just you're right. I don't know, but but you know you have to have a leader that's not asleep at the wheel, right? And a staff like of the editors who is not who are not asleep. Yep. Or just don't care. Yep. Yep. Evidently so. Yeah. Um, How would you grade Amazing Spider-Man number nineteen? I would give, um, I'll give the writing the same as Superman six. Mm, fair um, enough. and I will give the art, uh, that's definitely less than Superman. Um, I'll just give it a five, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I'm going to go right there with you, Steven. I, I want to give it more than a six because I think Spencer's cause yeah. it's like when we talk with Batman, the Batman who laughs issue and the Superman issue, it, I think the quality of writing mm-hmm. of Spencer's writing is high. Yeah, he he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. He gives you a high level of quality of writing. Yes. So I want to give it more, but at the yeah. same time, I can't. You know, I can't ding Bendis mm-hmm. for something that Spencer's also doing. Yeah. You know, so I wanted to give it a higher score because Spencer is such a good writer and the quality of writing is good. But you're right, the plot progression, the lack of it, it's got to be six night girls out of ten. I yeah. guess. I think you're right. Six night girls out of ten for the writing, and and I'm just gonna go five right down the middle for the art. Sure. All right. Six point five at best. There you go, my friend. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know what? It's a you know it's, all right. it's an okay no. week. I think DC came out a little bit better than Marvel this week. Yes. A little bit better. Well, I mean, you know, they had a, they had two, one really really good title, one yeah. good title, and one meh. Marvel had one terrible, actually two terrible, and one, and one that was meh to good. Yeah, so yeah. The average definitely tips towards DC. Yeah, this week DC took it. DC took it. Yeah, there you go. That happens. I mean, I'm not upset about that. It's good good books, but yep, indeed. <laughs> Well, Steven, on that bombshell. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Until next time, my friend. Viva la revolution. Mm Mm-hmm.